Week 9, Gesture-Based Interaction Overview This week is all about gesture-based interactions. We will cover gestures as a natural way of interacting, using existing gestures as a source of information about intention, what we can learn about gestures from sign languages, the technical aspects of gesture recognition, the challenge of getting agreement on gestures, and gestures on touchscreens and small devices. Important concepts. We're casting a critical eye over gesture-based interactions, both from the technical perspective of gesture recognition, but also the non-technical social and communication aspects of gestures. As computing becomes more ubiquitous, more embedded in our everyday lives, so we need to consider whether traditional interaction technologies, such as mice and keyboards, are appropriate for having technology disappear. Gestures as natural interaction. In the gestures lecture, we will be watching a video of Italians meeting each other in the street. What is striking about this video is the amount of gesturing that we see people doing. The fact that we use gestures in our everyday communications with one another has got people wondering whether gestures might be a good way for us to communicate with computers. This appeal to, the appeal to nature that this makes should be critically considered though. Humans are natural tool users. If you look at the motor cortex of a human brain, the proportion of the cortex that is dedicated to control, motor and sensing, somatosensing, for a hand is much more than for our entire torso. Making large sweeping gestures of the kind we will see in the clip from the film Minority Report, and especially the clip of the person controlling his desktop computer, don't make a great deal of sense in this context. Our limbs are like levers, so making large motions is physically taxing, so unlikely to be sustainable over long periods of time. Moreover, large gestures require us to make use of parts of our body where we have significantly less motor control, for example the arms, than the parts we use to control input methods like keyboards, mice or gaming controllers, it's our hands. So we should be very wary about the appeal of natural interactions, whether they're voice-based, gesture-based or reflect some kind of natural communication. Communicating with other people is natural and they are receptive to these kinds of interactions. It doesn't necessarily follow that communicating with a machine should be the same. Some of the unnatural tools that, we've been, that have been developed to allow us to communicate our attentions to machines are extremely refined and sophisticated. Inferring meaning from existing gestures. A sensible place to start thinking about using gestures and interactions with machines is to think about the codified gestures that we currently use around each other. If you watch the video of the folks on the street again, you will see that many of the gestures are not conveying specific things. Rather, they are side channels provide emphasis or direction in the conversation. There is not necessarily something in particular being conveyed. Gestures like a handshake or giving someone the finger have well-established meanings. Cultures around the world have gestures like this, which are codified, so there's the shared and established meaning. Everyone from within a culture understands their meanings. Given the shared meaning, these are, useful, these are a useful set of gestures to think about. Hadakatal investigated whether it would be possible to detect when two people had shaken hands. They gave participants a wrist-based accelerometer to wear, for wear, collecting data that could be collected with any modern smartwatch, and tried to spot handshakes when they occurred. It turned out that handshakes have a particular pattern that is easy to detect. Moreover, the patterns of both people in the handshake are, obviously, synchronised. This means it's possible to extract from the accelerometer data the moment that two known individuals shake hands. This means there's a potential for this technology to add additional layers to the handshake greeting. A system could make two people shaking hands linked on a social media website, for example. 
What can we learn from languages? When we're thinking about gestures for communicating intentions, we should carefully consider sign languages. These languages are used by millions of people around the world on a day-to-day -day basis. Given their mass usage, we might expect certain patterns of behaviour to have emerged that might be useful for us to consider when we think more widely about gesture interaction. The most important thing for us to learn is the idea of the signing space. This is an imaginary box that extends around your torso and head. Take a look at someone signing in BSL and notice how compact the signs are. They are not expansive gestures involving fully outstretched arms. This is because these gestures would be tiring and would slow down the signing process, thereby reducing the communication bandwidth. In developing any form of gestural interaction, it is essential to keep this idea in mind. The technical aspects of recognising gestures. Before we can do anything with gestures, we need to be able to sense people's movements in a way that can be processed by a machine. There are many ways to do this. One is to use the depth camera. Microsoft Connect is an example of such a camera. It was designed to create new gameplay experiences based on gesture-based interactions. The fact that gaming with these kind of technologies did not take off in the way that was anticipated should tell you something about these gesture sensing technologies as a way of communicating intentions to machines. That is, they are slow and inaccurate. Zafrula et al. tried to use a Kinect camera to perform sign language detection. Their system was 52% accurate for seated participants and 76% accurate for standing participants. This is not ideal performance and certainly not sufficient for practical use. Imagine that when we're doing voice dictation that only three in every four words was correct. Would you continue to use that software? Recognising gestures is a difficult problem to solve. Digits are often occluded or hidden by other digits, hands or arms. Signing usually happens directly in front of the body and this makes it harder to distinguish individual digits or hand positions. One way to improve the accuracy of recognition is to develop kinematic models of hands and fingers. Rather than trying to extract directly from what the camera sees, which is very noisy, kinematic models give the system information about how hands and fingers can possibly move. By putting constraints on what is possible in the model, the number of degrees of freedom is reduced and the model becomes faster and more accurate. Renetal used a model of human fingers to improve the accuracy of Kinect-based system to 95%. Kim et al. developed an extremely accurate system for detecting hand gestures that used a kinematic model for the whole hand. However, it required participants to wear a wrist-mounted infrared camera. This is hardly technology disappearing, is it? One of the things we need to consider with these kinematic models is that they are built on the average human hand. Children have smaller, flexible hands. Many older people have arthritis that limit movements. People may have disabilities that affect the mobility of their hands or fingers. Some people may not have four fingers and a thumb. These kinematic models make assumptions about how a hand can work. That's critical to their success. It is important to remember that people come in all shapes and sizes out in the world. A system that does a great job of classifying hands on computer science students may not translate when deployed in the field. The challenge of getting agreement on gestures. Suppose you have a system that produces a 100% accurate pixel-perfect model of hands as they are gesturing. Perfect visibility of every square millimetre of the skin. Such a system does not exist, but if it did, it still doesn't solve the problem, the next, the next part of the gesture problem, working out the intentions people are trying to convey. This is a problem that is separate from the technical challenges associated with gesture detection. It's a social, psychological and design problem. Chan et al looked at the agreement, this agreement problem in single-handed gestures. 
They asked participants to have a go at making single-handed gestures for a number of common actions in a desktop-like operating system. Things like cut, copy, paste, play, pause and stop. Other than the select single command, which was a single peck of the index finger, likely learnt from using smartphones with touchscreens, none of the actions had an agreement across participants of more than 40%. In other words, there is no intuitive idea of what a copy or delete command should look like. This isn't really surprising, these are abstract concepts that exist inside machines. There's nothing natural about them. Chanathel ended up developing a set of single-handed gestures, but there's nothing about these gestures that looks obvious. They would all have to be learned. This gesture learning problem is a significant one. We know from studies looking at touchscreen gestures in children, that children will try and use a wider variety of gestures than adults, as adults have already been taught certain expectations from using smartphones. There's also a social element here. How can a system work out just if gestures are meant to convey intentions to the machine, and which gestures are meant for other users, for example, using a shared tabletop computing surface? These are all problems that require thinking beyond the technical identification of features and require a focus on the in-situ design of gesture-based interactions that are best suited to the context in which the system is most likely to be used. Gestures on touchscreens and small devices. Remember, gestures are just another way of translating user intention into a change in the state of a computing system, just like keyboards and mice. They can, therefore, be quite simple and be quite useful. Oakley et al. presented the Beats gesture system for interaction with smartwatches. It uses very fine-grained temporal information based on the order of two-digit taps on smart, smartwatch-sized screens for actions. This requires no special depth cameras, just a standard touchscreen. And it's important to think about whether these kind of gestures can improve the system, particularly because many mobile systems lack the computational power to do any image-based gesture recognition. Zhao et al. looked adding simple pan, tilt, and twist functions to a smartwatch. Their prototype was quite bulky, but did demonstrate that even very simple gestures can, when reliably captured, provide users with a greater potential for expressing their intentions to a machine. It's also worth remembering that touchscreens make it very easy to recognize 2D, or 3D including time, gestures. iOS and Android have extensive built-in libraries to help recognize gestures, for example, pinch to zoom, with any number of digits. Touchscreens do, do, do allow a degree of 3D or 4D gesture detection too. Hinkley et al. demonstrated that pre-touch detection is possible with touchscreens. Touchscreens can detect fingers before they're physically in contact with the screen. And this opens up the potential for hovering gestures or using the orientation of a digit as it approaches a screen to alter a system's behaviour.